we will spend just a few minutes together, probably around 20 minutes or so, talking about something that I think is fundamentally important to your life forever. If your life is ever going to be what God designed it to be, there is one word that must be a part of your life, and the word is discipline. Now, it's a word I don't necessarily like, um, and I have my own issues with it because it sounds restrictive, but in reality, it's more empowering than anything. Anything that you do that is going to amount to much will require you to have some discipline. We've been talking about four areas in this month, in this series. And we, we, we are talking, we've been talking about how you build a future with discipline. Our theme for the year is building a future. And so the first sermon we talked about the importance of time discipline. Say that with me, please. Come on. Now, time disciplines are pretty simple. Time discipline is about you understanding that you don't have forever. And that at some point you need to pause and say, I don't have forever to make these changes in my life. Second thing we talked about was on Mother's Day. It's called a mom's discipline. And that's just a sermon you just got to go here. We talked about the importance of a mom's toolbox, and we use Proverbs 31. It's a great study. Thirdly, last week we talked about spiritual disciplines. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Now, this is one of the studies that we're going to do, not only here, but we're going to branch out into a digital study. It's a new way of teaching you the word, and you'll be hearing about it in a couple of weeks. You'll probably next week even. There, there's... There's a, a wonderful series that I'm going to teach, and it's going to be sent to you. So you don't have to always be here to hear everything. Sometimes I have things I want to talk about, but I can't keep you in church forever. So I'll send them to you. And it's a series on this topic, spiritual disciplines, with a, with a textbook. And you can follow me along. It's a great study. And, and they're short, so it doesn't take all day. You can listen to a 10-minute segment, 20-minute segment, go do something else, come back and listen to the next segment when you get a break. And so you'll, you'll see that. We'll send it to you. It's called The Power of, of Placing Yourself on the Path of Grace. Say that with me, please. Come on. The Power of Placing Yourself on the Path of Grace. That's what the author says. When a person operates in spiritual disciplines, they put themselves on a path, a path that God can bless. Some people will never have certain things in their lives because they're not disciplined. They don't have enough natural discipline to ever make the kind of money they want. They don't have enough academic discipline. That They're not willing to pay that price. Some people, and I want to be clear about this. This is, this is not about ability. I know and there's a delicate line here because I mean, no, you're trying to say if I don't go to college, I'm not. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can, you can forget college for a second. On your job, there's a requirement for you to get promoted that you have to take one class. Some people will never take the class. They just won't, they, they won't force, they can do it, but they won't force themselves to do it. There are natural disciplines that we don't embrace. And I'm telling you, I got, I got one I'm, I'm, I'm noticing more and more when it comes to our physical well-being. We just won't do it. Some things we know what to do, but we won't do it. So we will never have the result we could have. But just like their physical disciplines, the financial disciplines, they're spiritual disciplines. Can you say it again? Spiritual. Come on. And spiritual disciplines are things that they're not things that you can kind of make up. 
Golf is not a spiritual discipline. Prayer is. Going, coming to church is a spiritual discipline. And there's some things you're never going to get. I shared with you last week, there's two types of disciplines they, this, um, that were mentioned. One is personal discipline and then interpersonal disciplines. Interpersonal discipline is what we're doing today. We come together as a group. And the Bible says this. And, and please understand, spiritual disciplines are things that the Bible says are spiritual disciplines. You can't make them up. And one of them is not forsaking the something of ourselves together. Prayer is a personal discipline. That's not something I can do that with people. But, the, but prayer and Bible study, those are personal disciplines. Now, here's, here's one of the most profound things that I've learned. I will never, ever experience certain things in my life if I don't have certain spiritual disciplines. You don't pray enough. You don't spend enough time in the Word for God to use you at that level. You will never see certain things. You, your family will never experience certain levels of God's goodness and grace simply because you as a family don't pray enough. You, you don't spend enough time with God. You spend way more time, and I went through this whole study the last week. Remember I talked about it? Ten hours a week on the phone, right? Ten hours a week. You spend five hours a day in front of a television set. Five hours. So this is not about not having time. This is about not having the right priorities. And so being really clear, there's, there's this profound message about spiritual disciplines, but I'll send that to you, and we'll talk about that later. Now, here's the last one for this week, and we end the series. Repeat it with me, please. Say thinking disciplines. Sometimes it's hard for people to realize that their thoughts betray them. If I could hear your thoughts, if I could hear your thoughts, what would your thoughts tell me about your future? If I could just for a moment just unplug your mind and everything you thought was heard on a loudspeaker, what would it say about you? Now, if I'm honest, I don't want that to happen. Because there are times thoughts that come to my mind I don't like. I love this wonderful saying I heard years ago about a Baptist preacher. He said in his own Baptist tone, the only way a Baptist preacher can say it, he said a bird, somebody asked him one time, said, how do you deal with your thoughts? He said, well, a bird can fly over your head, just don't let them build a nest. It's an old saying, but it's a profound one. But all of us know the struggle we have with thoughts. And so I have three questions I want to ask you about your thoughts. Three things I want you to think about. Number one. Do you think about things that advance you? If I were to listen to your thoughts, would I hear your thoughts are advancing you? Or would I hear your thoughts hinder you? Here's what the Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever things are true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, Here's what I want you to do. Think about what? Such things. Think about these things. Not those things, these things. Do your thoughts advance you? Or do they hinder you? If we're honest, sometimes our thoughts from the beginning of our day hinder us. Stops you. Dead in your tracks. You can't, you can't gather yourself. You can't go forward. You're still stuck on a relationship that's been over so long ago. You're still mad with somebody. You're still dealing with a job you don't have anymore. Every time you drive by there, your mind gets just goes crazy because you're mad. And if you're not careful, you're still there. And that, that doesn't advance you. That's not one of these things you need to be thinking about. 
So do your thoughts advance you? Secondly, do you think about things that harm your heart? This verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 is so amazing. Here's what it says. Above all else, what did he say? One more time. So what did he say? Above all else, above everything else I've said here, I want you to make sure that you guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You know, it, it's, and, and when you guard your heart, he's really talking about guarding your thoughts because your heart is really the center of your attention. It's what you think about. It's, 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 your, it's, your, it's your focus. And he said, you need to guard it because what happens is stuff gets in there and it hurts you, pollutes you, damages you. It, it, it gets to a place where if you're not careful, you're not protecting your heart. Now, you might be surprised. Here's something that I do that's really important. I understand that Ricky, that's me. You know that, right? <laughs> Ricky needs to protect Ricky. I need to guard myself against certain things because if I don't guard myself, I, I will damage myself. So here's something that I really work hard never to do. I'm never too hard on Ricky. I found that I can be extremely critical of Ricky. I, I can, you know, sermons. And when you have a job like this, when you're in front of people, you know, people could judge you. Well, let's see how good he's doing to do today. Well, let's get you up here and see how you do. You know, if you, anytime that you're in public, you know, your, your clothing, your matching, the, you know, your shoes. Uh, and if you're not careful, you spend a whole lot of time thinking about stuff like that. And your heart, you know, it, you, you become overly, overly concerned. And I've learned that I have to guard against that. I have to guard against becoming a bitter, angry person. I know a lot of preachers that don't like people. They don't. Now, that's, I told you before, I'm trying to help you. I mentor pastors. I'm telling you, they don't like people. They, you can tell. They were at the church. They run. They don't, they not, and sometimes it makes sense because people do things that just, sometimes you just want to say, what did you say to me? You know, I've had people just, you know, I've been places and, 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 um, and people just are special. They, they just, I don't want to talk to you right now. I want to talk to you. Hey, six feet, back up. I do fight, back up. What you doing? I mean, you, you know, there are moments, there are moments where I'm serious. People make you nervous. You feel uncomfortable. You feel unsafe. Uh, and, 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 there's, and, and if you just Google pastor shootings, I mean, you see, they, they, they shoot you first. That's the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. But, but there are things that, that you can develop. You're getting quiet and looking at me, but I'm telling you the truth. People, pe preachers, not just preachers, bosses, supervisors, mothers, fathers, fathers, a lot of us, people in leadership, you, you get to a place where your heart, feels threatened. There are a lot of dads. I'm, I'm going to say something, and I want you to hear this now. Now, now uh, repeat with me, please. I'm going to say this is wrong. Say with me, please, that he is going to, going to say, say this, is this is wrong. So don't get mad with me. Don't get, don't, don't, just, just sit tight. I promise you I'm going to say what? This is wrong. What am I going to say? I'm going to say, one more time, I'm going to say what? Now, I'm going to tell you why men leave. I tell you, just hang with me. This is why some men leave. Some men leave because their heart becomes offended. 
their heart becomes offended. They think, I tell you what I'm going to say in the end, right? So don't bother me. He comes home, and he's always wrong. He's not smart. He can't talk as fast. And he starts thinking, like, you know what? Shoot. Hmm. I want to be someplace where people appreciate me. I told you what I'm going to say in the end, so don't be getting off. Hang with me. Didn't I tell you three times? So at the end, one day he wakes up and he just gets crazy. And so I'm just, look, you, you and the children, y'all be fine. Y'all don't need me. Everybody's smarter than me. The kids think I'm crazy. You think I'm crazy. So I'm just going to sit here by myself. Y'all go ahead. I'm leaving right now. I'm just going to check out. I'm checking out of the building. And you said it's wrong. Didn't I tell you it was wrong? Don't get quiet. Didn't I tell you it was wrong? I said that, now, so I'm not trying to say it's right. I'm simply telling you what happens. Pastor wakes up one day. He gets tired of the deacons. He gets tired of the ushers. He gets tired of everybody. And the members don't have come to church, won't have to give. He said, y'all can have this building and everything else. I'm, I'm going back to chopping meat or something. I'm tired. <laughs> People talk about you, judge your sermon. Judge, you know, you just, I know one, one, one pastor, uh, he, uh, his wife, Back when you used to pay for phone calls, every phone, every number, every call, you used to pay for every one, 10 cents, whatever it was. And they would get the phone bill at the end of the month, and they would sit with the pastor's wife, and she had to justify every phone call. And they made them pay. Yes, they did. It's a true story. I can tell you what state. I shouldn't tell you. But uh, anyway, I almost told you. But yeah, I was stunned in Chicago. I shouldn't have told you. Yeah, I'm telling you. It's a true story. It's a true story. You ain't going to never figure it out. It's a big place. It's a true story. Made that woman sit down, and they made her go through that phone bill every month. You know, I said, every 30 days, I'm not going to be sitting around here with no board or somebody trying to discern if I got a job. Yeah, your job. Forget all that. What? See, see my heart. You heard how bad that sound? Didn't that sound? That's terrible. Guard your heart. Come on, say it. Come on. Some of you are there right now. You're angry. You are so mad, you're so upset and frustrated. That's how you talk about your job so bad. These silly people. That wasn't what you said when you got hired. Now, you applied for the job, remember that? <laughs> Fill out the application, you had a wonderful spirit. Went in there all dressed up, put your nice clothes on, smiled and lied to those people and told them, I'm going to be a great employee. Yes, I am. I'm going to be so godly and so, I love, hallelujah, I love Jesus. Not everybody's stupid. The supervisor's dumb. Everybody's an idiot. You're the only smart person that's saved in there. Nobody can correct you. Nobody can speak to you because you know everything. You get with the crew that talks about everybody. See, I want you to guard your heart. Come on. Your thoughts say a lot about you. You, 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 you get that way with your parents. You, 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 you start talking down your parents. Everything changes in your life, and I'll come to that later, but that's the result of thinking that's not disciplined. Your mind is running like a wild horse through the streets. Third thing. Third question. Are you aggressively tearing down thoughts that are warped and barriers to your future? 2 Corinthians 10.3. This is that great verse in the King James says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, they're tearing down of strongholds. 
And most of us have heard that verse that way, but I love the message version. Here's what it says. If you look at verse 5, we, we are powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. We use our what? Powerful, verse 5, what? God tools. You can't miss it. It's in bold print. Work with the preacher. Come on. Verse 5. We, are, we use what? Powerful. God tools for what? Smashing warp philosophies. Pause for a second. Notice there are things in our minds, there are philosophies, there are ways, Temple ways, Smith ways, Brinson ways, William ways, philosophies and values that are Temple philosophies and Williams philosophies and Smith philosophies that are contrary to God. And they're a little bit warped. The way we view love, the way we view life, the way we interact with people, the way we view money. And what happens is that we allow God, he, through his word, tears down those barriers. And then he says, that are erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought, there it is, folks, and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. In other words, i got to bring all that into discipline. All of that has to be brought into some kind of discipline because what happens is it, my thoughts and my impulses will pull me everywhere. And before you know it, I'm out of control. Is that what your thoughts are like? Right now, are, are you aggressively tearing down thoughts and attitudes that don't work? I read a book, like always, right? And in this book, it's a book on critical thinking by Richard, Paul, and Linda Elder. Now, let's be clear. This is a term that became familiar to me, critical thinking, and it, it has revolutionized over the years my view because I understand that some of us have thinking issues, including me. I've had moments when my thinking wasn't right. And I want you to listen very carefully to what he said. This is so important. You are what you think, he says. Whatever you're doing, whatever you feel, whatever you want, all are determined by the quality of your what? Thinking. If your thinking is unrealistic, your thinking will lead to many disappointments. If your thinking is, is overly pessimistic, it will deny you due recognition of the many things in which you should properly rejoice. The truth is that since few people realize the powerful role that thinking plays in their lives, few gain significant command of their thinking. And therefore, most people are in many ways victims of their own thinking, harmed rather than helped by it. Most people are their own worst enemy. Their thinking is a continual source of problems, preventing them from recognizing opportunities, keeping them from exerting energy where it will do the most good, poisoning relationships, and leading them down blind alleys. That part about the energy really spoke to me because if I'm honest, the, most, the, the thing I need to give the most energy to is taking care of myself physically. What good is going to school if I'm going to die young because I don't take care of myself? 
If my marriage is in trouble, I need to put more energy in thinking about that. And a pastor, I do this thing with pastors where I help with sermons, right? And we have this whole sermon process here where we talk through the sermons before I preach them. And it's really fun. It's really helpful. And I help mentor leaders and, and by doing that. But one of the things I do outside pastors is one of the pastors sent me a sermon yesterday. Now, you know, I try to do my sermons early, so I'm off on the weekends. So I try to get it done like way Thursday. And really, I do way, way ahead. But because I don't like bondage. So some of the guys that I'm helping, they wait till Saturday. So they're sending me a note Saturday. Hey, look at this for me, pastor. I said, wait, wait. Now, I finished mine early. So I can be off. But we laugh. And so I, a guy sent me a sermon. Great guy yesterday. And, and he's preaching on the, today. He's preaching on this sermon. And he's talking about, about his priorities. It's a great sermon. Good sermon. And, 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 and so he says, number one, my first priority is God. You know, right? Second priority is family. Third priority is church. So he told me. I called him back. I said, what is this? He says, it's terrible. You're not even on the list. He thought, well, I hadn't thought about that. You're nowhere on here, dude. There's, you're not even mentioned. What kind of priority list is that? How are you going to love your family if you don't love yourself? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How are you going to love your church if you don't love yourself? How about being number two? How about, how about let's give you some time. Let's help guard your heart. And maybe then you'll love your wife and your family better and your church better. It was a powerful moment. In that moment, you start thinking. And he said, I'm not thinking right. And I, and I thought it would be good for you to hear me talk about all that we've talked about and what I didn't think right. What I couldn't see. So let me go back to the first sermon, right? First sermon in the month. Where I talked about time discipline. What couldn't my mind recognize about time discipline? What couldn't I see? I didn't have forever to make certain changes. I thought I had as long as I needed. But time ran out on me on some things. You don't have forever to change. My thinking was wrong, just like my friend's was. When it came to the mom and the parental thing, the Mother's Day whole sermon I did, what couldn't I recognize about my mom or parental disciplines? There's two sides to that. I've been a son, right, and I've been a parent, okay? As a son... I assume, no, let me switch. As a parent, I didn't always understand that this is temporary. They don't stay two, three, four, and five. They grow up. And so I have to change with them and grow with them. I had to learn that. Some of you are still talking to an 18-year-old like he's 15 and 12. You're not showing enough respect. Your tone, your attitude. You, you, you really haven't made that step up, parent. Now, here's another thing. On the flip side of this, as a kid, I didn't realize that it was temporary to have a mom. Watch this. How many of you have a parent that's passed? Raise your hand. 
I want to show you something. Ready? Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Now, all of you that are sitting down, I want you to look, look around you. I do this on purpose. I want you to feel the pressure. I want you to understand that you don't have forever. You may be seated. I want you to, I want you to feel it. I, wanted you to, I, want you to, I want you to absolutely feel the truth around you. You won't have to worry about somebody trying to boss you. You won't always have them. Calling you, bugging you, asking you to come by. Don't worry, they won't be there to call you. You will truly be by yourself. If you're not careful. That is a message in itself. That's why you should appreciate them. That's why you should let things go. Discipline yourself to let it go. I didn't always get that. And the last thing. <laughs> you know, for me, somehow, when it came to thinking spiritual disciplines, I didn't understand that this habit really makes the difference. This is the habit that changes everything for me. This is the habit that changes all of my life, all of my world, my thinking disciplines, what I, what, I, what, I, what I meditate on, what I do, how I live, my spiritual disciplines, those things change everything. They determine the quality of my life. My spiritual disciplines, those habits determine what path I'm on. My thinking disciplines determines the quality of my life. And I've learned from the time I get up in the morning to speak to myself and say, Temple, I want to tell you the truth. I've noticed that in the morning lies come to my mind. And I said, no, I need, I need to remind you of the truth. And the truth frees me. Next week, we start a new series. In order to build the future, you need to have, number one, remember, a new mind. Think differently. That was January. Number two, you need to have a new approach. That was in February, right? And then we talked about you need to have clear values, things you do and don't do. That was in March, right? Then in April, we talked about passion and how important it is to have a passionate life. And then in May, we talked about the importance of discipline. But all of that hinges on you really knowing the truth. If you know the truth, the truth empowers you. And there are two verses that are not in your notes. And I want you to look at these notes, please. This, these are what I call your read-ahead verses. John 14, 6 says, listen to this now. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I'm the truth. And then in John 8, 32... Jesus said, and you'll know the truth, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be free. The ultimate goal of God in your life is to free you, is to give you a new beginning. So imagine your life waking up in the morning. Imagine a world where your thinking says, I'm going someplace. If I would plug into your mind because you know the truth, you're strong and you're focused. And so I pray today in Jesus' name, God, that your people would leave this place free and they leave this place empowered, and they leave this place changed, and that they would never, ever allow themselves to be controlled, bound, overrun by fear, that this would be the beginning of a new day where they would say, I'm going to walk in spiritual discipline. I'm going to walk in mental discipline. I'm not thinking those thoughts anymore. I'm not holding those grudges. I'm not allowing my mind to be wrapped up in that. But in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. In, come on, say it with me, please. Come on. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it in. Come on. In Jesus' name. Father, I speak to pessimism, fear, insecurity, anger, malice, frustration that breeds in families. May they leave this church saying, I'd let it all go. I refuse to think those thoughts again. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, after hearing this message, I realize something. I need to give my life to Jesus. What you said today is true. And I need to step into a new spiritual discipline. I need to come to Jesus and lift my hands up and say, God, be the Lord of my life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, or if you're home watching, I want to give Jesus my life. I want to start a brand new life with Jesus. I want to get my life going in the right direction. And I want you to pray for me today, Pastor. I want to pray. Jesus died for me on the cross so that I can be free. If you're here and that's you, I want you simply to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, pray for me. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. Pray for me. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I want to start a life with Jesus. Some of you, I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see you. Pray for me. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? I need this today. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to start a new life. Everyone, lift your hands with me, please. Every hand lifted. We lift our hearts with these who pray, who who ask for this prayer. And may this be the beginning of a brand new day for them. We pray they would start today both here and at home. The hundreds who are home watching, touch them in Jesus' name. Let them leave this place knowing that their lives will never be the same. And I declare in Jesus' name that those who are with us, Lord God, are going to be touched in ways that they've never been touched before. Can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a big hand clap and a big praise? Praise God.